0: Welcome to
1: the Vodcast. We have a good group for you today here to discuss Pentiment. We're focusing on the game that's coming out in November 2022. It's a Josh Sawyer game. So, As you know, our, most of our listeners know, Josh Sawyer uh, played a huge role uh, in Pillars of Eternity 1 and 2. Uh, among other games that Obsidian has released over time. He's been with Obsidian for a really long time, um, back in the Black Isle days, and has been an integral part of the studio. Um, And we saw a trailer for it come out uh, just a little bit ago. Uh, That would be June 2022. They released at the Xbox Games Showcase a a trailer showing us. So we're going to talk about that today and maybe dig a little deeper and talk about what the game's about, what we've learned from Josh so far, and maybe what the game relates to historically. We have uh, some ideas, and we're going to share some speculation as well. But before we do that, let's jump around the table and see who's here and what they've been playing, and I will start with Parenthesis. Parenthesis, what have you been doing, game-wise?
0: Well, I've been playing uh, The Grace Ace Attorney Chronicles. It's uh, a game in, uh, ladies, I believe, in the Ace Attorney series, and this time it's set in the, uh, uh, my... Oh dear, I'm gonna get letters about this. The Meiji period, of uh, restoration possibly, and the Victorian era. It starts in Japan and then it goes to London. And um, impressions wise, it's more Ace Attorney, yay! But it's with 3D models uh, that feel, with animation that feels far less snappy than the, the, the old sprites. And I feel like there is a lot more faffing about to get to the actual meat of the game, so boo. Then again, it's it's my own fault. I went from the, the remake of the first three games to the very end, of, currently the very end of the series. So if I'd experienced it, the points in between, I'd probably been acclimatized to uh, how it is.
1: Well, it's, you got overwhelmingly positive reviews. I mean, it's... it's. has. Uh, yes. yeah, yeah, from what I'm looking at online right now, um, very positive reviews and... Seems to have a pretty big fan base. So, um, and I know we talked about this before. I, I only played it on the uh, the old one on the what was it Nintendo DS or whatever they had it on. I enjoyed it, um, but played played it a while ago. Um, and it looks like the trilogy has updated graphics and everything. So, uh, it looks like they put a lot of work into it.
0: Yeah, they put they put a lot of work in it. Uh, I mean, uh, when they built when they ported the trilogy to PC and and this one's reported from the 3ds i don't know how much extra work they put in but it looks fine there's no problem visual wise excellent um all right uh kivi have you been playing any games lately uh, i actually haven't
2: been playing any games uh i was in a three week uh, honeymoon vacation and now we've been two weeks back at home and for the last week i'm I've come back to my book, uh, my first draft was ready for the book, and I've been, been reading it through now to start the developmental editing. That's a huge
1: task, um, and I'm glad you're doing it, because I'm a fan of what I've read of your stuff, so that's that's really awesome, and uh, um, congrats on the, on the honeymoon and the marriage, that's a big deal, man, that's something to be mm, really thank happy you. about. Um, marriage and a book This fantastic i know oh my god kivi do you ever oh, stop no. Kiwi. no i can't
3: wait to read your book and start my own podcast over the fandom of your book
1: oh, yeah but no. we got to start the podcast before his book releases at least like That's three true. years before yeah we have to speculate and shit all over it
2: first right. well if I, maybe i kind of played a game you know it, it was called the name of the rose. It was, you know, kind of a, like a visual novel, but it wasn't visual at all, and it was just a novel. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I and that'll that that play, we'll yeah, play. Yeah,
2: that's good because
1: we'll be drawn on your uh, on your knowledge of that today, definitely for sure. But uh, that that's pretty cool. Gingerino, are you? Have you been diving into anything?
3: Um, I'm kind of between games at the moment. I wanted to play something super chill, and everyone. And their cat have been raz- raging and raving about the new PS5 game, Stray. So I, I gave oh that a play. Oh, my yeah. God. Did you play it? I did, and I finished it. I've already finished it. It came out Tuesday, oh. and
1: we're recording this Saturday morning. I've already beat the main story. Oh, my God. I'm so jealous. I Actually, it's funny because I um, this is an aside that I'd asked you guys in our Discord server about recommendations you know on, on laptops and stuff uh, i think i did that yeah and uh so i finally bought one for my daughter for college and uh it's a razor uh it's the really nice gaming can't laptop, go wrong with so. razor razors makes yeah good so stuff. the reason the whole reason i mentioned that is that i was looking for a game that she could play that was graphic intensive you know that met kind of her style and that that part of coming out is just perfect i mean that's right up her alley explore slightly puzzly but but not too much and just really beautiful and um from what i've seen from playthroughs and i have been watching some on twitch it's just stunning the amount of verticality in the game and and how you can move around what game? it is yeah it, it's
3: stray so it was released by blue 12 studios published by anna per oh yeah the Rack cat game. game yeah the cat mm-hmm. game exactly so like i i have that as part of playstation plus so i just got it and it is very accessible my wife is not uh, like an intense gamer uh she's not hobbyist about it but she saw it and like oh that looks interesting and she was able to pick it up relatively easily um yeah i mean it is a pretty game there's no photo mode but i still see people doing virtual photography of it all the time on reddit so
1: we actually got an email which i hope we'll get to at the end of the show today (laughs) from somebody who is playing stray i just got the email this morning um, from a listener uh, and it's an interesting uh, you're like stray and uh, avowed what the hell? Uh, but it's actually kind of interesting how they tie it in. I, I, it's a pretty pretty good email. so oh man, um, I'm interested
3: to hear that actually. I'm busy like I, I like it a lot. I didn't it was it's such a short game and there doesn't seem like there's a lot to it, but I, I'm in the middle of trying to write an article about the parallels between stray and uh, the gospel because you can do
1: that. Oh, that's cool. It's it's yeah. weird. Like
3: they did a really cool job the way they delivered it. Um I think the explore I'm a little disappointed with the exploration because I was hoping that I could explore the city more, but it is kind of a it's more of a linear game. So if you haven't played it and you're looking into it, just know that it's a lot
1: more linear than it is open. But right. that doesn't I, take I've,
3: away from the great experience the game gives you.
1: I've heard the same thing. I've heard that that people love it so much and they just uh, but that's their big disappointment. It ends too quickly. And there wasn't enough to explore. But you know what? It's been selling like hotcakes on Steam. It just passed uh, Elden Ring. so um, (laughs) What?
3: It passed Elden Ring?
1: Oh, it kicked it out of the number one spot, yeah. Wow, that's crazy. This is for, now let me be clear, this is for continuous, uh, what did they call that? Uh, All the people playing at the same time. Um, oh, concurrent. Yep. Okay. Yes, concurrent users playing the game. They they beat out Elden Ring. So, well, it it um, makes
3: sense because Stray is also a day one release on the new PlayStation Plus system, and so everyone that has PlayStation Plus Extra has access to this brand new game. So, it it makes sense that a lot of people would be playing it.
1: Yeah, yeah, and the word of mouth and everything. Um, me, I've been playing uh, not much, uh, but I have been playing. Um, Forza Horizon just came out with uh, Hot Wheels downloadable content, which I have bashed them on in the past a little bit, um, mainly because they've already released Hot Wheels before. I think it was Forza Horizon 3 uh, a while ago, but um, it's really fun and it's really cool and they surprise me uh, in that it's a lot of, if you like driving at all, it's just really they make it really interesting and fun and exciting and a really great download patch not a patch, but a a downloadable content that if you have the game, it's worth it. It's, it's just a ton of fun. So I've been playing that. I also have been doing elder scrolls online, but, um, just summer, you know, I, there's, I haven't been diving into games as much as I, as I should have. Um, but, You know, I'm sending my child off to college this fall, so I will have all the time in the world to dive into my backlog, Uh, and I have a huge one of Steam games that I want to play, most of them recommended by Parenthesis, so I have to get through that list at some point. Parenthesis is a plague upon my wallet, I swear to you. Oh, my God, yeah. I know, I was quite relieved when he talked just about one game today that I I kind of already knew about, so I was worried he was going to come up with some other great game um, and then that would be fearful. Um, so we're talking about Pentiment today. I, I think I want to start I, w- I want to start by just kind of um, just some general facts that we know. So we know from the Xbox Game Showcase. We know that this is coming out in November of this year, 2022. We know that it is a uh, day one um, Game Pass game for Xbox. We also know that it's also coming out on Windows on that same day. Um, It is a narrative adventure role-playing game um, headed by Josh Sawyer at Obsidian Entertainment. Um, And what has this got to do with the VALDE? Well, it has very strong connections, which we'll kind of dig into. Uh, Obviously, we know Josh Sawyer uh, fans who are listening know that he's heavily involved in Obsidian products. And specifically, Fallout New Vegas was one of his big hits. Um, uh, Pillars 1 and 2... Uh, among other things. He's been with the studio for a long time. Um, The tagline for it when it came out, the trailer, was Art Imitates Death. Pretty cool tagline, I guess. Uh, Play on, you know, Life Imitates Art, Art Imitates Life, all that stuff. Um, But I wanted to read the Steam description first, and then what I'm going to do is go around and kind of get your general reactions when you saw the trailer the first time. So on Steam, um, Obsidian has posted just a general description, and it says... From Obsidian, this game is a historical mystery-narrative-driven game that focuses on character development. It is heavily stylized art, choice-driven storytelling in 16th century Germany. The main character is a clever illustrator caught up in a series of murders at Kursaal Abbey over 25 years. This character alone possesses the wits and will to expose the killers, Uh, But each decision he makes has lasting consequences and draws him closer to the center of an underlying conspiracy. So that's what they say for it in Steam. Now this is what I thought was really great if you've looked at it in Steam. They have a warning underneath it, which totally caught me off guard. So this is a warning about the game. Um, Pentiment contains... Public executions... It's hard to say this without laughing. Pintimate contains public executions, stylized gore, suicide, references to abortion, frequent strong language, references to sexual assault, and references to sexual activities. Small parts of the game also reference notable alcoholic consumption and incidental hallucinations. (laughs) So are they just trying to sell it with that? Or is that really like a trigger? <laughs> wow. Is that a trigger warning? <laughs> Holy crap. That's like what does a lot it, of stuff. Maybe they should say this is what it doesn't have, you know. <laughs> oh my goodness. And then we can worry about hate, that. Holy it reminds crap. reminds me
2: so much of the book, actually.
1: Oh, really? That's that's yeah. that's incredible. Yeah. I mean, many, I just... many of
2: those things are there.
1: Oh my gosh. Well, it's... Uh, it's a short trailer. It was only, I think about two minutes long and you, and if you're a listener and you haven't seen it, you can just do a search for Pentiment on YouTube. You'll see the trailer that was released at the showcase. Um, and you'll see immediately the, the graphical choices, which are, are very unique. The style, the music, the, just the gameplay is, uh, is just very unique and different. Um, so when I saw it the first time I'm, and I was super excited. Um, and i believe we were one of our podcasts we watched maybe it was the last one we were released where we watched the game showcase live i'm stunned by it and the more i've watched it and the more i've studied it and looked at it the more excited i've gotten um i just think this is so unique and such an intellectual game something totally got josh sawyer written all over it if you showed it to me and didn't tell me he he did it i would say he would either love it or he was part of it the historical connection to it is is just very intriguing and uh, really interests me and i want to dig deeper and learn more about it Uh, and the game obviously lets you do that um but What were some of your impressions? Uh, uh, Gingerino? you saw it. What what do you think from just what we have of the trailer? Um, So when I saw the trailer for the first time, uh, honestly,
3: I was a bit turned off by the trailer at first. Um, And I know why. It's because all of the kind of rumors and hype about what the game would be put an image in my head. I was picturing kind of like a 16th century disco Elysium type thing. Ah, yeah. Yeah. Right, like and I didn't mean to have that expectation, but you know, you when you pay attention to news enough, that kind of thing happens. Just um so when I saw the art style, I didn't like it at first, but the more I looked into it, uh, I became to really appreciate it. And actually, um, because it's coming out in November, that's my busy season at UPS. And since this is also gonna be releasing on Xbox Game Pass, I have a feeling I'll be able to play it on the cloud on my mobile device with uh, control and i think this will be a perfect game to play on a mobile device i think it'll play really well so i'm actually really looking forward to this being like
1: my main game during the heavy season at ups Um, yeah man that's a tough season for you so yeah that this will this is an ideal i think is ideal for playing on an ipad or even a phone um you know if that's what you're you're limited to but i mean sitting on a sofa and playing it on your ipad i see this is a perfect game for that because it's not that kind of game where you need uh, it doesn't seem to be the game where you need those lightning reflexes and it's heavily heavy graphic intensive which it really isn't um and if you look on steam i think it was i'd have to look it up but um let me look it up now because it's pretty funny the requirements are pretty low for the game i'm I'm looking at them right now it's pretty uh (laughs) What is it, yeah. like Uh, Pentium 4, or what is it? <laughs> No, it's, Intel uh, Core i3, oh uh, my Windows God. 7. You don't even can't need even Windows buy you that that Windows anymore. 7. Yeah, you can't even buy those. Uh, Yeah, 4 gigabytes of RAM. It's
3: so small. Yeah, so <laughs> this
1: game will run on literally anything, and it will be a perfect <laughs> streaming game. You're, you're I'm, right. I'm still surprised how much the
2: requirements still are for a sc- side-scroller.
3: Yeah, honestly. like it, it, That if, is a good point. Why can't I run this on MS DOS like it's ridiculous guys come on
1: well I think if you watch the trailer I mean seriously if you watch the trailer that might be because some of the lighting effects because they really utilize um, even just from the trailer you can see some of the scenes are really gorgeous the way they light them from the candlelight kind of spreading out and and glowing maybe that's it I don't know um,
2: yeah that could be possible
1: TV what did you think when you saw the trailer what are your thoughts initially
2: well I have to say uh, mixed in a way I perhaps I was expecting something bigger from the secret project but at the same time I'm I'm okay with it I was okay with the subject of the game and it, it's we get the game that's you know like like Josh always makes we get a role playing game and now that uh, it's not some kind of three D open world kind of stuff. We we can uh, focus on the what's what's important here. That's uh, sometimes where people, game makers get lost in role playing games that there's so much else in the in there. So I don't know. I have become more and more excited about the game. No, yeah, I think having a shorter
3: game too is like it makes it more replayable and i have a feeling that there's going to be a lot of
1: different ways to come about the narrative in this game. Yeah, he actually did um an interview um on uh the GameSpot. GameSpot did an interview with Josh story. You can find that interview on YouTube and he specifically kind of addresses um uh why he did it. Um, He specifically says, and I have the quote here, uh, I've been making big games for 20 years, including things like Fallout New Vegas and Pillars of Eternity that require big teams. I just wanted to take a little break and do something very small. I genuinely love history, and I love this specific period in history. So that was his response when he, I guess he was kind of asked a similar concern and question uh, about what, people were expecting from the secret project and the reveal of something obviously smaller than something like disco elysium um although i mean you can see the influence i know that he played disco elysium there's actually on youtube a playthrough he posted of him playing disco elysium um he's a fan of it um and and he you know there are some parallels there if you play disco elysium you kind of you know the mystery aspect and um maybe that Maybe that was uh, an influence. But I know that this is a project that he thought about long ago. This is something that he wanted to do um, back at the Black Isle days. He even talks about that in an interview where he said, this was with GameSpot as well, where he was talking about how this was a seed that he uh, presented to um, Fergus back when they were in the Black Isle studios. And um, it just couldn't, come to fruition it was not something that um it would or, uh i believe fergus thought it, it would not it would have little appeal outside of his story aficionados so sawyer pitched it to him again years later um, when they were working at obsidian um following the release of pillars of eternity 2 actually um and he kind of reframed the game as a narrative adventure with mystery components so this has been ongoing for a while um, it's not just he played Disco Elysium and thought this would be cool, uh, but I think there are definitely influences. Uh, Parenthesis: What did you think when you saw the trailer? Were you slightly disappointed? Were you encouraged?
0: Well, I had it in my mind, I had formed an image in my mind where it was a 3D game set in uh, Italy. Um, I guess that's the Renaissance uh, connection. I, my mind just goes straight to Italy, but this, in fact, makes more sense because this is a game that plays to uh, just Sawyer's Passions. It's uh, about history, especially G- Germany. And uh, also the, we see connections to the name of the Rose. There's, it's, it's about art, it's about illumination that plays a big part. And of course, there's the murder in a uh, in an abbey. So, so that's an obvious connection. And then of course there is the, um, sorry, blank it up for a second there. There is the push towards choices and consequence that we will see and the replayability of it. So, yeah, this makes sense. And then, of course, uh, the quote you just put in with uh, him wanting a, some play, making something small. So this this makes perfect sense. It it might not be um, uh, Darklands 2 that he wants right. to make, but, but, but it gets there a lot of the way.
1: <laughs> I mean, I think, I mean, he's... Uh I give him credit for being self-aware, right? Knowing that he's been on these huge teams, these highly intense. I'm sure that Avowed was pitched to him, and he was like, uh, "Hell no, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm I'm okay right now. I need a break." And and what a great credit to Obsidian and their management and uh, for just recognizing that and saying, "Okay, we trust you. Uh, go for it." Do your passion project. We know you've been talking about this for, for decades. Um, go for it. You know, we have we have <laughs> a little bit of comfort here. We have some money. We have some support from Microsoft. Let's do this and see what happens. And so credit to him for taking the break. Um, and um, the story is interesting. Um, you don't you learn a little bit from the uh, trailer, but if you um, are able to, I encourage you to go watch on YouTube. They do... Uh, an Xbox after the showcase, uh, they have a name for it. Um, I'm reaching, uh, but it's like uh, uh, in depth after the game showcase where they talk with developers. He's in there for they have like a seven minute segment on Pentiment where he talks. Um, uh, he talks about the story, talks about history a little bit. Some really interesting stuff, um, but one of the things is he kind of really goes in and digs deeper into the story, so I want to talk about that. He he. This is a quote directly from him um, where he says, um, Andreas, which is the name of the central character, um, is finishing his journeyman years and about to become a, a master. Um, so he is finding odd jobs and gets an odd job uh, in a monastery, monastic scriptoria. At this point in in history, there are very few monasteries that are still producing manuscripts, but there is one that desperately needs some help and you help them out. Um, And while you're helping them out, a murder happens and your friend and mentor at the scriptoria is accused of this murder. So Andreas takes it upon himself to figure out who is the real killer. Um, and begins investigating. He becomes involved in this bigger conspiracy that goes, spans over like 25 years of time and several generations. Um, so it's interesting. There's lots of little tidbits in there that I find are really interesting. Um, and I think probably the thing that stood out to me the most was that the game spans 25 years, um, and for me, that's unique. I can't think of many other games that, that do that um, specifically. Now, the 25 years that we're aware of, um, that would be... I think it, the game is supposed to be start, start in 1518. That means it would go from 1518 to 1543, those 25 years in there. Um so it's just really interesting. Um, what, what do you guys think about the story? Is there anything about the story that uh, is really intriguing, or that you're you're you want
2: a, a deeper dive on? Hmm. Uh, well, as you already told the what hinted what the story is, uh, it's uh, well, there's not much to be said uh, from what we know from the trailer but we know that the period of time and where it's taking place, uh, it's a time of social change. Uh, in the 15, uh, 17, Martin Luther, uh, makes his 95, uh, uh the notes on, the, on church door and the great reformation begins and sweeps through, through the Europe and which, uh, well, one of perhaps one of, the, one of the biggest social changes in Europe that's happening. And then in 1525 and, and 24, there's the German peasants revolt that uh, takes some inspiration from the Martin Luther himself. And uh, I mean, these are the things that I think are at least in the back background of this story and uh, when it comes to what happens in the uh, monastery setting I think like the game talks about a conspiracy and usually sh- uh, well having read or watched the you know the uh, influences to this game I I'd say like uh, the, it could be either a power struggle in the monastery or an abbey or it could be uh a schism of some kind on some inter- interpretation of some passage in the Bible. And I think this is what the game will culminate in. And like any good mystery, you'll ne- you'll never f- know who's behind it until the very end.
1: You know, it's something you said that I want to tag on real quick is you talked about how this period of history is a um, a big period of social change. And if you watch uh, the uh, after-hours kind of thing he did where he ta- they interviewed him as a developer and he talks about that a little bit. Um, and, and he has a real interest, I think, himself in um, the idea of social change and probably tying it into what we're, you know, all experiencing in the world today and thought it was, you know, definitely... Um, poetic, maybe, um, and relatable, um, but he he talks about how uh, this this element of social change is. He wanted that to be something that the game illustrated for, through those twenty five years, and that was kind of the reason that you had that span of time. And then also a really interesting interview that happened in uh, that discussion was they talked to Hannah Kennedy, who is the art director at Obsidian. Um, and she goes into a lot of major points about the game. Um, but specifically, one of the things she talked about was, uh, from an art point of view, was the characters and how they would have to basically... Uh, she, see, I have a quote from her that's that's actually really cute, where she talks about um, kids that ha- I had uh, become attached to because they're four years old. Well, we designed them to be four years old and then they're getting married and because it's a four-year-old and we designed them to be a four-year-old um there's an emotional attachment to it and then i she says i felt weird i felt this weird emotional reaction to them because i'm like oh my baby's all grown up so over those span of 25 years we're going to see these generational changes this 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 girl she's referring to is actually in the trailer it's the very first frame of the trailer when you watch it where he's being poked in the in the in the foot by this little girl that's the girl she's referring to um and they actually show uh in the video uh, how the artists have depicted her over a period of time um i i find that fascinating um i think it's very character centered i mean it obviously character driven but not just the main character andreas it's every character in the town obviously is playing a part and mm. i think that's i think that's a huge plus for anybody who loves character driven yeah. games or stories
2: yeah it's like they because the game scope or the you know art direction and it being a side scroller they they have that time to do this now i I'd have, to, I'd have i'd like to continue on the social change aspect like it's it's, it's easy to say social change but you know what Luther did, it was, you know, it's, it, this was huge because in the time, at the time, you know, the Catholic Church basically, you know, they held the keys to, you know, heaven or, or, or the afterlife where uh, these different sacraments and rituals would affect uh, the afterlife. Now, then in comes Martin Lutheran, he says that uh, fa- by faith alone, which basically undermines all the, the spiritual authority of the Catholic Church, which is which <laughs> huge. And then, then he goes and translates the Bi- Bible from Latin to Germany, and now every layman can read the Bible and make their own conclusions. And now the Peasant Revolt says that there's actually nothing in the Bible which says that th- the serfs should be under the, you know, jurisdiction of priests and lords and such, and which was basically this kind of a democratic uh, push. And this is what happens like in the span of 25 years in the game. I have to agree. I, that's, I'm mo- most
3: interested in that as well. I mean, I'm involved in the church, and so I always love seeing when narratives happen in church history, and I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with this in particular, because, like you said, like it's such a massive shift when Luther gave the "by faith alone" statement. Like, it, you can't you can't really get across how big of a deal that is, except maybe over the span of 25 years in a video
1: game. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think Kiwi kind of hit on it. I, I, you, if you watch, if you go back and watch the trailer, and you go to about a minute. A minute and ten seconds into the trailer, there's a scene of peasants with uh, torches who are basically uh, lighting this tower ablaze. And I mean, I think that kiwi's right. I mean, we haven't really hasn't been clarified. I don't think outside by Josh or any of the team, but that this has got to be the the German peasants' war. This has got to be uh, those poor townspeople, the urban artisans who kind of joined that rebellion. Um, and kind of, you know, took, they kind of, as far as I, what I've read, they, they, they created a document called the 12 articles, which was about Mm -hmm. um, a social reformation. And it Mm -hmm. it wasn't just social, it was social, economic, and religious. And they had all these demands in there. I don't know that you'd call them demands, but they're, you know, things, things like compulsory service to the Lord of the manor, uh, these, these leftover feudal ideas um german economic conditions at the time um talking about of course the religion which we just talked about but it was it was even more than that and they actually went around these townspeople these peasants quote unquote um and and peasants is a pretty broad term because i as from what i've read it includes you know artisans and um you know countrymen and farmers and just about everyone who's not uh uh Rich royalty, um, and uh, you know they 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 caused some shit to happen. They went around, you know, town different towns, and and made they were really a thorn in the side of them. They were lighting, they they made castles, they destroyed castles, they destroyed, you know, different areas. And if you look at the history of uh, Bavaria with William the Fourth, I think it was. Um, I mean, the guy was. I mean, there's lots to, the, on Wikipedia, they talk about him like he's a god, but if you dig a little deeper, he, he was kind of a, an elitist, uh, you know, kind of what they were fighting against, especially those peasants in Bavaria. Yeah. Do you
2: know the funny thing about the, the well, the te, 12 Tenets very much uh, ape the what Luther had written. The Luther himself uh, condemned these peasants uh, like saying that uh, they should be you know, killed and so, so forth and he <laughs> like he kind of like turned, his, turned turned his back on the what, what he had basically done. I think he like I think he never meant that to happen. He just wanted uh, the, the spiritual authority to be questioned not the uh, uh, the uh, secular, yeah. I mean, they were
1: definitely opposed by Martin Luther. They, they, but they were supported by this prominent Protestant leader. Um not even going to try to say his name because I can't pronounce it. Um, but I do find that fascinating. You know, that's a really good point, Kiwi. And I think all of that, I think we see evidence of that when we look at the trailer for the game. I mean, there's no question to me, if you want to really kind of dig deeper and read more, look into that, that German peasants were, uh, you know that, of course, happens at the in that frame of time that we were talking about that the game takes place, and there are stills in there, and I think that that's mm-hmm. definitely a key point yeah. in it. You know, reading
2: reading the name of the Rose book, well, I, I could like ins- insinuate that perhaps that a conspiracy could be about the uh, some you know some the old school Catholic guys uh, like uh, like they they are. Putting uh, sticks in the, the bicycle wheels, kind of thing, like uh, because I- even that in that time uh, Bavari Bav- Bavaria stayed Catholic quite quite strongly still, even duri- during the peasants' revu- uh, revolt. But it could be that uh, the Catholic forces uh, in the monastery or the those who oppose the Reformation strongly uh, are going to do something, or one of them is doing something nefarious. That's just just a guess.
1: The countryside, we see that. I mean, we see the peasants. They're they're the element of the equation where it's the social change. But you having, I have not read it, um, but reading uh, the book, uh, tell me how that plays into it. Um, What is it? What is the book about? How does it play uh, into the
2: game? Uh, okay, so so the book name of Toreos, There's also a movie made from it, and and a t- uh, mini TV series. And in this book, uh, it's from the point of view of a novice monk, and he at the very start of the book he teams up with uh, this older. Um, Franciscan monk uh, who's called William of Baskerville. And they go to this one monastery because Wil- William has uh, some oth- other uh, things to do there. And then when they come there, the uh, abbot says to them that uh, there's been a murder here and uh, William of Baskerville is known for his intellectual capabilities and so they they take on the task of uh, uh, finding out who's the killer and uh, but then the deck ne- throughout the uh, next days more cor- corpses come and the more murder mystery becomes deeper and deeper uh, and basically William of Baskerville is a uh, it's a mix of different characters, and one of them is Shakespeare's Sherlock Holmes, and there's William of Ockham also. So basically, you have this kind of med- medieval monk Sherlock Holmes uh, doing conducting a murder mystery in a, in an abbey, while there is a re- religious uh, a c- kind of a internal war in the Catholic Church going on be- between Franciscans and the Pope in Amiens.
1: Yeah, have uh, Gingerino, uh, Princess? Have you guys read or seen the movie or read the book?
0: I've seen the movie. It's it's quite good. Um, the thing about the, I think, what, well, of course,
2: the murder mystery part of the book is go- going to be in the game, uh, but there's also, as I watched uh, the trailer, and we can see that. The, When you make your character, you can actually pick, like, uh, some uh, traits for him. And there's, like, Latinist, logician, orator, astronomer, occultist, naturalist. And these are things that have to do with, like, semiotics, like, uh, communicating with symbols and that sort of thing, like, you actually have this this kind of... uh, well, many of these things are actually something that the book was full full of, like interpreting signs, and I believe your character is supposed to be some, something like, you know, the William of Baskerville, like you reason out things. Like, he's very intelligent. It's actually said somewhere in the game's description that, that yeah, the main character is a clever illustrator. And, of course, the other part of the other major influence on the game is the uh, life or rather the movie that, that was loosely based on the life of andrei rublev who was an icon painter in uh, 15th century russia and the, the of course the andreas is uh, name for, for, they took the Andreas from the Andre and then the Andreas his surname is Maler which in Germany means painter. That's, that's a very subtle thing. <laughs> uh, so, so basic, I think him being a painter uh, is Uh, somehow ties into the murder mystery, and he's smart like William of Baskerville, and he conducts the murder mystery in the 16th century Bavaria, where there's a lot of social change going on, and uh, uh, supposedly the crime thing spans throughout decades. I think it's very interesting with this mashup.
1: I love it. I, and one of the things that was really interesting from his GameSpot interview, and I'm going to read his quote directly here and get some of your thoughts on this quote, um, which which I think is amazing. I love that they took this, this slant. But he specifically says about the murder investigation um, that you're actually not in charge of investigating this murder, but you take it upon yourself. And when you give evidence or point someone out, to the Archdeacon who's investigating what happened, then that person's probably going to die. And we are very upfront, this is him speaking, we are very upfront about the fact that you are not going to know who the real killer is. You will have to make your best guess. Whatever your choices are, it will play out over the next years in the game. So... And I think he goes on to talk about, like, if you accuse the wrong person, then you've just basically killed off a lineage of people in the game. So what do you what do you think about that parenthesis where they're not going to tell you who the real killer is? Do you like that? Do you like not kind of having a, knowing that there may not be a real conclusion in the game?
0: Yes, because if you can come over, if, if you can survive the fact that you might not 100% gold, them this game. you might not be correct then it opened the, the floor for choices. you just won't go you won't say oh I'll do a pentiment run and this time I'll choose someone else than, than the real killer. No you will have to you will always have to live with an uncertainty. you will always need to live with personal choices and this also means that you that if you replay this game over and over then you can say, well mm, it, it, it might actually be this guy so I, I'm okay with saying it and then then we'll see, how this falls out. And, and this also plays into one of the things that I'm looking forward to in this game uh, and the fact that it takes over such a long uh, period of time. It kind of becomes like a, a, a family chronicle or a village chronicle. This time you'll see how in game form. So now we'll see what happens if this person isn't here. He might not be here and that, to, to save that person from drowning and therefore these families are going to be, never exist. So, so it's going to be interesting to see a kind of an interactive village chronicle play out in in this form.
1: Yeah, Gingerino, I'm curious what you think about that. Not not learning Gingerino who the real killer is. What, what do you how do you feel about that?
3: I mean, there's a part of me that wants to resist it because I do like a good resolution to a story. But I think ultimately it will serve the game better to leave that um, definitive. Uh, conclusion uh, out of the hands of the players now here's the thing enough people that play this game they're gonna get online and they're gonna get in the forums and they'll discuss it <laughs> oh my it. And I god think the, we'll be the I think we'll be. yeah yeah i'm sure we'll be able to know with a certain level of confidence who the killer is supposed to be from the developer's side of things because
1: i'm sure i'm gonna they've challenge chosen you on killer. that i'm gonna challenge you on that because i don't think so I think from the way he phrased that and from what he said, I don't think he even knows who the real killer is. And I think that the point of it is that they created a story in which you could have so many different possible outcomes, but they left it wide open and they in their studio probably have their own guesses. I could see them sitting around a table and arguing as to who they thought, you know, really did it. Um, I think that's I cool. S-
3: I could see them doing that, but it doesn't make it. Do- I don't like, how would you design that narrative where there's been a murder, but there is nobody who has committed it. Like, I mean, you could design it where there was a murder and he skipped town and you're trying to do all this and you never solve it. But I don't know that. I don't know how you could design a narrative like that.
2: Mm, I, it's possible when you, like, when you leave some information vague and you, you, you don't like, you have more uh, you have more equations than you have you no know, variables and then you th- then you have to just guess something um, if you read the book or watch the movie you know the kind of a, the, the meaningless end there is a meaningless end in that it's it's not a satisfactory end uh, it's kind of a postmodernist like in the end you don't know and it's up to you to decide uh, it's this adds incredible amount of uh, replay va- uh, value to the game. And then, well, in a way, like, and it also tells us something because, uh, let's suppose that when you point your finger at someone and they, g- the, we get the rumored public execution, uh, this could be the killer. And, uh, sup- let's suppose that in the span of 25 years, this conspiracy is supposed to continue. This means that it's not a conspiracy of one person, but more than one. So whatever you do, oh. there's going to be a killer. So,
1: good well, yeah, point. We, Go ahead, Ginger. Here.
3: I mean, and just like I'm just to answer that, like the first question of I think that ultimately it'll be good for the game to do that. And it makes sense what you're saying too, Kiwi, that there would probably be more than one person involved. Because, yeah, if in the first year you make a choice and that turns out to be the killer, well, the game's kind of over in a way because you've killed the killer. But if there's a, a, if there's a group of people, like you're saying, then, yeah, that makes more sense. And I like that personally, I, Like again, I have a resistance, but I think ultimately I'm going to like a lot more that I don't receive a conclusion. I think there has to be at least one developer who knows a little bit of the behind-the-scenes stuff, but how much they know, I don't I'm interested to see the speculation that comes out of all of it. To be honest, well, mm-hmm. just from what
1: yeah, just from what he said, it doesn't sound gated at all. Like it doesn't sound like they they set a particular point in the game where you can dun to dum. It's the 25 years are up. Tell us who you think the murderer is. It sounds like you could, as pretty early in the game, from what the way he phrased that statement, make accusations, and then that's kind of leans on what Gingerino said, as in, well, wouldn't that be the end of the game? So I think
2: your mm. point about the conspiracy is right now i think well in i think in the some uh, in some point of the i watched all the you know the interviews at some point i got the very clear idea that uh, you decide who basically you decide who dies at some very early in the game and then in 25 years later or some period of time later things have folded out in some way because of you. I think this is this is what I got and it was it wasn't like at some point you decided you at, I think at some I think there is a gate at some point at maybe at the halfway of the game or some something like that where you decide then with some time forward.
1: Yeah, I think actually, I think the actual accusation and maybe the execution is a very, is actually a smaller part of the game than I originally thought. Because if he goes on, he does at one point, one of his interviews or the showcase or something, talks about what the title of the game actually means. And he says it is specifically referring to pentiment, means uh, referring to a painting in which there is an older painting underneath the painting that you see on top of it. Um, And if you scrape away that top layer, you see what's left behind. And the analogy there, of course, is there's significance in that you're playing a painter in the game, but also the idea of history being covered and uncovered over time. So those layers, I think, is what the story is. I think my feeling is that, yeah, you maybe you make the accusation in the first part of the game, but that's not the game. The game is really about this, the learning about this bigger conspiracy and, and through time you're kind of pulling those layers out that's the name pentiment and you're revealing those layers to learn more about the true story of what's happening well and that makes for a more interesting game than just who's who done it you know
3: i feel like unraveling a big mystery like that is yeah i think that's good
2: that'll Uh, be way more engaging yeah i may have mixed feelings about not knowing actually the real perpetrator like maybe in the end you know the conspiracy but in you don't know what happened 25 years ago. Even in the in the book, Name of the Rose, the actual, what conspiracy actually takes place in uh, many, it spans many decades. And, but in the end you know who was responsible for the recent death. But th- th- in the book the, the, you know, this without meaning stuff or the Decide for the is big. Uh, it culminates on the fact that uh, the. C- can I give spoilers on the book? Here? I think so. It's been out yeah, for uh, yeah. 60 years. years so. Yes, yes. <laughs> so, maybe 40. Well, anyways, <laughs> okay. so uh, what happens is that the, the, the Sherlock Hill, the William of Baskerville, uh, he thinks he figured out how, in which way they are hap- happening there is a, like a symbolic uh thing related to the apocalypse uh apocrypha of bible and the sequence of things but in the end it has it 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 is showed that that it was pure coincidence but it's fit everything so well but it was pure coincidence and the guy is kind of broken after that that he doesn't actually Uh, know why things happen that way that's that's
1: that's an obsidian thing the moral choices and and feeling guilty afterwards that's a total obsidian kind of trait you know they use that in their games all the time making you make tough decisions and then making you kind of pay for them emotionally later i mean that's that sounds ripe for what he would want to do and one thing i want to say though is a lot of people online have been calling this a medieval game and he was very clear uh, to point out this is not medieval it's it's mm. early modern it's the transition point mm. between the medieval period and the modern period mm. it's uh, so it's like the burgeoning, burgeoning renaissance it's mm. like um i mean our modern period the the early modern period that's kind of when you had um you had the protestant reformation the mm-hmm. european renaissance enlightenment not, there yeah, was a lot of things that,
2: happening but you only, you also had already in the late 15th century you had printing press and already even in the name of the rose book with which is 14th century the role of the you know the monasteries and abbeys when it came to replicating copying books it was less less and less pre- prevalent because universities were taking the thing over and now you have the printing press and b- which is also why Martin Luther was able to pr- uh, spread his message so much the printing press ma- basically ma- made it so that you don't actually need so many people in the monasteries, copying books anymore, but but of course we know we know that our protagonist will be doing some some something with the books uh, in the game. Also, I'd like to mention when you the, when you talked about pentiment, like the thing about painting ha- having uh, you know the other painting uh, underneath a real one or the current one, the in the book, The Name of the Rose, everything culminated basically around one book. In this game, many things could be could be revolving around one particular painting, which is a symbol for some debate.
1: Interesting. Interesting uh, speculation. I like that. And I think that's definitely possible. I think... Um... What I want to move to next, and we've kind of given people who are interested, you know, some avenues they can explore themselves to go into the history because there's a lot to look into. Like we talked about the German Peasants War. We talked about, you know, early modern era. And so there's a lot you can read about. Um, But I want to kind of look at the gameplay because I think that is something that is intriguing to me because he, he talks about how he got, I wouldn't say inspiration, but he kind of calls out a couple of games that um he feels the gameplay is similar to um and it it is a narrative driven game obviously we can tell by just watching the trailer uh with really distinctive art styles and based based in history but he talks about um two games in particular was one was oxen free and the other one was i'm reaching for it night in the woods Um, where you spend most of your time in the game just walking around the environment, meeting characters, talking to the characters, learning their motives and uh, motivations that people might have to commit a murder, um, completing, compiling this evidence, and then eventually presenting it to the arbiters for judgment. But what are your thoughts about how that can be accomplished? I'm like, I'm having a little trouble getting my head around what am I clicking on on the screen? Like, what am I actually doing? I don't think the trailer gives a good uh, idea of how this game
2: plays. Well, he specifically said that it's not going to be like Disco Elysium. He specifically said that at some point. Right. And and so it's a side scroller. I imagine you just your character for, goes from one. Cor- corner of screen to another and talks with different characters at will
1: yeah it's almost like but if it's a side scroll i'm looking at the trailer now to see if i can see the actual background move at all and i haven't seen any evidence oh wait no i did i did the one where he's walking through all the 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 sheep so it is it does have that side scroller aspect to it but it's very i'm assuming yeah, I mean, it's you're you're just walking from one area to the other, and um, that just seems really interesting to me. Do, I'm curious, Gingerino, do you think that that's going to be engaging gameplay? The side scroller side aspect. Yeah, of it? well, I mean, look at the trailer. I mean, what the hell are you doing? Are you just basically watching a movie and clicking on text? Or you know, I'm devil's advocate here. What, what, how do you play this thing?
2: This game. Um, the game is full of symbols. Like they're everywhere. <laughs> If you look at the... If you know where to to look, they are there.
3: Yeah, I mean, like, I've played both Oxenfree and Night at the Museum, and I think if you... Like, if that's the kind of game that you're looking to play, like, if you're picking up those games to play those type of games, they're engaging enough. And I think, especially with Obsidian, the focus on character interactions and narrative, I think it's... I think it'd be more than engaging. It's going to be a lot of reading, obviously, so you're going to have to... You'll have to get over that, but I think... Every time you talk to a person, if um you know if Obsidian holds up their reputation, every time you interact with a character, they're going to have something to contribute to the overall story. So I don't think there's going to be any point in any of these scenes where you can't do something meaningful in the game and have a sense of progression or a sense that you're at least learning something that will contribute.
2: This I think it'll is, be um, more... I, I play so much trust on John, uh, Josh at this point that the gameplay is actually going to be meaningful. I, I think it's going least. to be
1: meaningful. I'm just being a devil's advocate. Like, um, parenthesis, when you were looking at the trailer and you were kind of seeing the art, um, the way that the game is playing out with, uh, you know, the different choices on the screen. Um, how do you feel it's going to be a, from a gameplay perspective?
0: It seems to uh, lean heavily towards Night uh, in the Woods. You go around. You talk with people, you interact with for lack of a better word, mini games or mini systems. Th- I think there's code wheel somewhere in the trailer or something similar. And and the way to th- that I approach these kinds of games is to think that this is an offshoot or an evolution of adventure games, and in this case adventure games with role-playing elements. You talk with people, you perhaps you even acquire things, you in- inspect things, and for this you acqu- you well, you get tokens, so to speak, to open other uh, dialogue options with people and proceed in the story. I like to play uh, choice of uh, choice of games games, which are basically just text and options you pick and, and choices. So uh, this is my jam because now there's even graphics. Oh,
3: um, man. See, this is the opposite of what I usually go for. Like I... I like the newer graphical fidelity stuff. That's always what I've gone to. So I'm surprised to see myself excited for something like this. But then again, like like you've said you played Night in the Woods or Oxenfree, enjoyed those games immensely. So I think if you're going to go for this less graphical style, then you have to make up for that graphical fidelity and that finesse in some other way. And I think Obsidian's going to do that with the way they present the story
1: and the setting. Yeah, but night in the woods. I mean, there was a there was a I'm not I mean, there's just a slight arcade. I don't even want to say arcade. I don't want to insult it, but there's definitely a you know, running around, jumping over things. There's some there's some gameplay element to that. No, I don't see that in this trailer at all. I think I think that if I was going to say one thing to Josh and Obsidian with their next release before the release and they want to release a trailer, just I think they need to flesh out to the audience. You know how the game more a little bit more about the gameplay and less about the story. Um, I mean, I'm stoked. I'm totally playing this day one. I'm this is my kind of game. I go back and play Infocon games. I played Planetfall a couple of months ago. I mean, so Zork, all those. I love that. I don't care about the graphics, but um, I'm also a minority, and I understand that. And um, you know, I, I think it's such an important. I think it's an important title i think what he's getting at with social change i think what he's showing with the story and this point in history and trying to show us that you know that basically um you know history repeats repeating itself this whole concept of of social change currently i'm sure that didn't go unnoticed um so you know i i just think he needs i think it's important enough that they need to make a small a better, better explanation of the broader appeal. Because by looking at the trailer, it, you don't... Like, if you look at the trailer for um, Night in the Woods, which I'm looking at now, um, it, it definitely, you can see the gameplay elements to it. This one, not so much. I will say, one thing I liked about the trailer, and that he has talked about, is the in-game glossary. And for somebody who loves reading, and loves to kind of dig deep on history i'm so excited about that and that that they include keywords in the text you'll see that they're underlined that you can kind of click on and get more reference to what they're talking about and kind of do a deep dive historically um into that plus just the art style is just gorgeous i mean it's so different i mean there was uh what was there was another game that kind of has similar to that uh that style that art style that's on steam you guys remember what it's called it's like ink something um ink ink inkko Incolinati. yeah it's not even out yet but it has a similar style there's potion craft which comes out later this year i think it's an early access it has a similar style to it the only game i could think of that i could point to that i played that was similar maybe a little bit and style was um apotheon it's, it was released like eight years ago or maybe longer than that i don't know um kind of this uh, uh iliad, iliad um themed game but it had a similar kind of style to it but it's unique it's different we don't have anything like this um so i think we've 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 talked around it enough i did want to uh take a minute though and um kind of jump into some of the questions that people might have as they're looking at it um and i guess the first question that comes to my mind and i I don't always like to be devil's advocate i just want to um you know throw this out there the game involves a lot of reading we just talked about it that means it involves a lot of patience analyzing thoughts and evidence over time piecing together character stories and this is josh sawyer he describes the game as operating this is a direct quote from him it operates at a very high cognitive threshold so should the game come with an age restriction maybe say do not play unless you're over the age of 30 and have a basic education and appreciation for the art of patience i mean no offense to our younger crowd do you, I mean when you look when you look at the disclaimers of the things
3: that are happening in the game that you should be aware of? I think maybe we use oh, that yeah. as a good
2: reference. Okay, good I mean, point. Good point. I mean, the, in the game, it seems that you can complete the game and be wrong. So anyone can play it.
1: I agree. I, it's just my concern mm. is that I want it to. You know, I don't want it to be mainstream. That's not what I'm saying. I don't. But I think it's. In an environment which is driven so heavily by instant gratification and modern gaming, um, yeah, I, I think I'm, it, I'm afraid it's going to get liking,
2: lost. I'm liking this small bit of stoicism that we are getting here with Pentiment. Like we get a we get a game with meaning uh, and intrigue, rather than just just I don't know some mindless serotonin pump. Yeah, in fact, I would love
1: it if this does become successful, and more of the, these types of games are out there. Because, like, um, parenthesis said, this is my kind of game too. I mean, I'm like, to, this is like an old Infocom game for me. This is awesome. I, this is just totally actually, up my road.
2: I think the, this is big improvement to story of Disco Elysium because I think. The weakest part of Disco Elysium was the main story because whatever you do, you will catch the killer, and uh, unless you die in the game, but you will, f- everything will eventually lead to the killer, and it will be like it be, it be, it's something that you never suspected, like ever in a hundred years, and so, was, you know you can't it's even a, know. <laughs> yeah, he's like it's a character you never knew existed and it's only in the very very latest part of the game that it, the most of the game the gameplay comes to the mechanics of the you know the whatever traits you have and how, what disco you can elysium do is them.
3: basically just one long character creation tool that's basically what the game is the
2: the game in in other sense like the, i like the art style and stuff and the like i like like at the first what the mystery is but when you when you when you play play through the game you know i the game is great but i didn't want to play it again right after that same i
3: only played it the one time i wanted to see what else could happen but i could just never bring myself to do it a second time
1: i know parenthesis you were a pretty big fan right of disco elysium um you've talked about it before um Mm. do you see parallels
0: here I don't think there will be stylistic uh, parallels. I, I may think that some of the uh, some of the me- mechanical choice and uh, consequence items and relationships that Josh gleaned from the game may be in here, but I don't don't think there will be any any story. Uh, I mean, it, it will be the bricks and mortar of of Disco Elysium when it comes to story that will be transferred to Pentiment, if anything.
2: I think. Not mu- not much will be actually like, I, I, like after I've read through the the influence material of the game and was the interviews and stuff and having this conversation here like I don't think there's much same with the games like, uh, and I actually lost what I wanted. Well, to I say. think I think
1: yeah. one of the things that intrigues me is I can't think of and i'm sure they're out there i'm not saying they're no, not no, out there no. but i i, remember, I no. cannot
2: oh you remember go ahead yeah like in the di- like like it was already said like this Disco- is kind of like this just big character creation g- game But in pentiment what i like if i'm correct you choose all the traits at the start and i doubt there's any character progression i doubt it
3: yeah, I think you make a character at the start, and then it's just narrative from there on.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. It's what I it think seems you're spot like. on, I mean, I can't think. Can you think of any other narrative game, narrative driven game like like this, where there is not a conclusion, like a, a solid answer at the end? I can't. I think this is kind of striking new ground here. For I'm sure like, there is, but nothing comes to mind. Yeah, I can't and nothing pops in my head. Uh, yeah, they're out there and we'll get emails about that, I'm sure, that's but fine. Um, I don't mind if the game fine. makes me feel mm-hmm. stupid personally, I, I, so. I it. I
2: love how some like this will get people this might get people to read like Name of the Rose and kind yeah, of stuff like Yeah, absolutely. Mm. I think that that in of itself
1: is a success or study history, this period of history that, you know, so many, like, I will admit, I did not know about the German peasants war until I started digging into that period of time and, uh, that part of the world. And so then I read deeper about it and read about William the fourth and his life and, and just really interesting, you know, that deep dive for me was I just kept going deeper. Um, loved everything I was reading
3: obsidian fans across the globe all of a sudden become experts in 16th century germany yes history. <laughs> oh well there'll be plenty of experts <laughs> yeah.
1: on reddit trust me uh, i mean I'm,
2: uh <laughs> i i already divide i already divide obsidian fans into groups and one is the uh joshists and the other is uh, tim kane and um, leonard boyarski's boys okay which yeah one i, I which see that am i in? Cause the, i don't the, even... the, I, I don't know but <laughs> he doesn't want to uh, say it I that's mean, what it is the games that these people make are like very different like y- uh, you like comparing like Pillars of Eternity to Outer Worlds like the it's or grounded uh, yeah yeah Josh is more grounded he makes, like he when he makes the game the lore and the characters and the dialogues he he never like, breaks the fourth wall. He doesn't make th- things too comedic. Everything stays in character. Like, no, nothing is, like, uh, too obvious social commentary. Like, uh, it's a fantasy world somewhere. Uh, it doesn't, uh, it has nothing to do with ours. Well, um, I you po- pointed out in some, where you said, like, there's gonna be hallucinations in the game. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's weird. And, and we ne- we see these in the trailer.
3: Yeah, I'm pretty sure uh, we do.
2: It's, where? This, it's this scene where you have uh, this checkered square. Yep. Uh, you have, and you have different characters here. Uh, one of them is Preston John, which is this mythical character that they believed somewhere in the Asia or Africa is this uh, mystical kingdom of Christ where Presel John is the king of it and people tried in the in the in re- real world people tried to find this place but uh, it was just myth and well, then yeah. there's, there's, there's also Socrates there uh, and then there's yeah. this this Socrates Chester. wasn't yeah. alive
3: in the 16th century, yeah. if I, I remember mean, correctly. Come on, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's stretching. And
2: then the then there is this uh, this Chester-looking character who is Saint Crob, something like that. It was basically it was made made up Saint of uh, you know basically being uh, like a very bad person, saying swear words and being being stupid.
3: Yeah, he's another made-up character. That
1: that would make sense if that was the hallucination you're talking about. Yeah yeah well what do you think about the gingerino i know you you'd already touched on this before but it popped in my head as as we were just talking what how, how are you your your feelings about how this will, will there be any sort of slant on catholicism uh from this game or do you think it's going to try to be as objective as possible when representing history I mean, even when you
3: are trying to be as objective as possible, everything comes down to interpretation, and you cannot present a narrative without slanting it in some way, even a little bit. And that's that's true of all history. And uh, like, the people who are professional historians will tell you as much. It's all about interpretation. So I'm no matter what, that's gonna happen. I'm sure. I get the feeling that Josh would like to try to th- keep things just factual and objective, but there's no way you can't Think- include some sort of commentary.
2: I like Bay because we know that Joss is not religious at all, we know, we know that, but he, in these games he usually has these religious elements and he actually, he doesn't go about, you know, saying what he thinks is true, he gives very uh, real or very believable stuff and I think he's not probably neutral objective but it's going to reflect that time
1: yeah i think he's fascinated with history period i think that's the easiest way to bring it boil it down um from a religious standpoint i mean because obviously this this story is going to involve quite a bit of discussion about that and the and the uh, protestant you know revolt and all of that so it it will be a a in the story, tr- but I think, I think like Gingerino said, I really believe you're right. I think he's going to try to not give some sort of take sides. <laughs>
3: I do think that's, but, that's Josh's style for sure, but you got to remember, this game is going to have narrative, which means you're going to be playing a character who's making choices that no one in history can know of, and that means developers at the studio had to make consequences for choices. They had to decide what choices were options. So no matter what, There is going to be slants, there is going to be social and cultural commentary that happens just from the developer's point of view, even unconsciously. That's not a bad thing. Uh, Everybody does that.
2: They're going to have factions in the game, of course, Uh, like the people will have views and they will be shown here. (laughs) uh, Disco Elysium uh, developers, they they, they are left-wing very clearly. Uh, they have said that themselves, and this actually shows in, up in the game. And it was some like uh, whatever your political leaning. I don't like 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 developers' personal feelings uh, reflected on the game, whether it, they agree with me or not. I I think the Josh is smart enough not to do that. Well, yeah. leaving and it I...
1: more open-ended. Yeah, I think that's smart. I'm sh- and I'm sure that's what they'll aim for yeah you don't want to you don't want o- I mean, yeah, to turn off your audience I mean yeah you don't want to turn off your audience I mean because there's there's definitely some strong feelings out there uh,
2: anyway the, the politics of that time period with you didn't have left and you don't didn't have right uh, uh, so it basically was like uh, it's the time when church Catholic Church will start losing power but the nobility will still have some A lot, but not not even that much, because if um, the when the black uh, the plague came to Europe and wiped like half the half the population, there were so few peasants left that they actually had more power because of this. And uh, different lords were saying like, "Hey, you come far to my my area and you will get these rights and so forth." They they could could actually negotiate more. and yeah and the the i think understanding this period or you know medieval or early modern the church understanding the history of the catholic church is paramount like they had so much uh say in things, power and, uh, and be if these values were instilled in people, like what I, when I play this game, I want to, you know, be take, be transported to this time and have nothing to do with ours. You know what I mean? Like uh any kind of, uh, you know, modern thoughts uh, that they don't actually exist in the game.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, and I think it's important to note that even when we talked about the the surrounding stuff that's happening at this time, that you know, like the German Peasants' War did not have a happy ending. I mean, it was basically uh, there was a massive battle in 1525, and over a hundred thousand civilians uh, were slaughtered. So it was not it was not a happy ending to these twelve articles. That and William himself started out. You know, when he came to power after his dad died, he from what i've read i'm not professing to be an expert but um was initially a, a sympathizer with the reformation but um changed his mind a little later <laughs> because it was working against him and he kind of that whole counter reformation movement so it's just there's so much going on behind the scenes that that the name of this is perfect i mean you couldn't have picked a better name for the I, for the game i
2: anymore. i want to clarify i i want to say that i I checked that the time when Counter Reformation took place. Uh, it's off the scope of the game. It's it was after 45.
1: Oh, when when it was uh, when was it the uh, Counter Reformation? 1545
2: okay. onwards. When 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 they basically Jesuits were formed. Right.
3: Yeah. I wonder I, how mean, much just... that's gonna play into the main narrative
1: it may not it's probably background Mm. text you know that
3: kind of stuff will be I don't know it's getting close to the end of that 25 years mm. span Mm. Mm.
2: yeah yeah in a way in a way that it's I well counter-reformation and reformation are of course related thing and uh, yeah and and josh even himself has noted that, that in this time period the reformation happens and this is of course uh, this means that he has this thing incorporated in the game and i think it it will be a major part of the game like uh, if like because this is like the it was the corner of, sort of this short period of time of, When social things change started to happen because of the 95 tenets and the uh, translation of the uh, uh, New Testament into German,
1: I I definitely will, yeah, I'll definitely say this is one of those games where they'll probably say it takes 10 hours to complete, but it'll take me 120 because I'll be the one clicking on everything, reading everything. Um. So yeah, it's just the different. I hope that's so true. I want a game that I can replay over and over again.
2: I hope you it's do that like with Ringers, 20. Uh, 20 please.
1: Twenty seems like a sweet spot. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know. Fifteen. Any narrative game is going to be that you can't really give a, a how long it takes to play, in my opinion, because like I even with the games like Skyrim, you have people who walk through a dungeon and and spend days just reading every book on the ground so it just depends
2: on your play style i, I think I, I love the replayability of this game like like when you see the screenshots they show a few different traits that you can pick for the character like you will miss some you know these so-called skill checks or these options will be Out of your scope because if you choose a logician you you won't understand occultist stuff and if you choose like a businessman you don't you you you're not a bookworm anymore and i think this will like change a lot how things will turn up or how you will find out who is the killer like you could be persuaded to think that someone else is the killer because you chose to be so- someone uh
1: as always you can email us as if you're a listener um aboutcast at gmail.com um we really appreciate your feedback I, and i want to make it very clear that if you have something to say even if it's negative send it to us because we listen and um you know as long as it's not just a toxic hate email um We did get one in particular I wanted to address today. Um, It was from Peter D. Um, Peter D. sent an email to us about a week and a half ago, two weeks ago. Um, I wouldn't say it's a hate email, but it's an intelligent email that is challenging. So in fairness, I want to read what the email says and then uh, be able to give a response to Peter D. Um, This is the email. I enjoy listening to your show, but <laughs> that's when you oh, know it's gonna, off to a That's when you know. Start. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Um, that's when I went and got a glass of wine and said, "I'm going to come back to this." I enjoy listening to your show, but I'm concerned about the tone of your panel, specifically the host. I'm concerned the tone he is taking. Wait, is taking as the delay drags on for years. When your comments or criticisms come from a place of intense feeling, you disrespect yourself and your audience. You should choose your words carefully and reflect on critical thoughts a bit more before blurting them out. It's toxic, and our com- community doesn't need more toxic people in thought. Obsidian has every right to stay silent, and most of us are glad they are taking their time making this game. Be more supportive and positive, please. Hmm. So I think that's an important email because I don't think it is full of toxicity. So that's why I like the email and has an interesting point in the email as well. Um, So my response, and then I'll let others chime in if they want to, um, is that um, Peter D, I think you have a good point in some respects. So this is just a bunch of us sitting around a table and chatting. And that's the way I've always wanted this podcast to be. This is not some news podcast or, you know, super informative inside track. And we don't get paid for any of this. We just do this because we enjoy obsidian and the games they make. And we're excited about about, but in what I will say is I do think that there is a difference, a clear line between being toxic and being critical. And, um, it, it this brings up in me the story of the boiling frog which i wanted to talk a little bit about and if you're familiar with this story the concept behind this is that um, uh, the frog analogy is that there's an urban myth um, has that if you put a frog in a pot of boiling water it will instantly leap out but if you ...put a frog in normal temperature uh, water, but very, very, you know, tepid water and gradually heat it up, the frog will remain until it boils to death. And the reason I think that analogy is important in relation to what you sent us, Peter, is because I think it's important to recognize that critique, um, however emotional it may get sometimes, is a necessary evil. And I think that if there isn't that balance between what um, someone feels strongly and what they see or what their concerns are, if that doesn't get to the people in charge, then we have a problem. And it's just as toxic to be overly positive. It's just as toxic to just assume everything is great. I'm sure Elon Musk did not sit around the table when they were launching, um, or before the launch, and people were bringing up concerns. He's like, shh quiet guys let's just be positive everything will be fine let's smoke a joint and go to twitter i mean i don't think that's what he did and i think there's a reason behind that now i will say that <laughs> i don't know if this is what you're referring to peter but my episode about jez cordon that was overly emotional that was not fair i get that it was
2: justified
1: <laughs> It was justified i know jez i know a little bit about him now i know that he flunked out of high school. And I say that in a good way because he made something of himself. He, he flunked out, he didn't do well, but he has he has made a career for himself. So I should respect that. But my concern in that situation was that Obsidian was letting somebody else speak for them that maybe wasn't as eloquent as could be. But um, I, I I see some of your point there, Peter, and I agree with part of it, but I also would, would side and say that being overly positive and glossing over everything can also be toxic.
2: Can I be the necessary evil, please? <laughs> so, as I previously said, I, I divide obsidian fanboys in the two groups. Maybe I should do, a, you know, divide in the other two other in another axis, and one is, uh, like uh, people who appreciate obsidian, but uh, acknowledge that sometimes they. Made mistakes, and then there's the fanboys who see no critic like you can't criticize Obsidian, they are the uh, saints and saviors. And How
3: dare you insult yeah. our gods! <laughs> yes, like, like you
2: know, there's many reasons to criticize them, you know, f- you know, for not making Tyranny 2, one not making POV 3, uh, making Grounded uh what else <laughs> then the uh, oh, tell us how you like really the, feel I, 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 let, let me get to that slowly then yeah. like about like we we we've heard like we have all been excited for our and <laughs> This podcast is because of about. I don't know how many years we have already done this podcast, but it's been a long time. <laughs> two at and least, at least yeah, two and a half, probably. Yeah, and much years like, since since the launch trailer, like we we've, we've got nothing, basically nothing after that. And like I'm not saying it's up ob, it's Obsidian's fault, but whose is it then? Well, Obsidian's, of course, but uh, it's not got. I don't think it's because of Obsidian necessarily, you know, people have personal issues and we heard that the directors of different fields in the game has changed a lot and the game hasn't moved forward that much, but I mean it's I think that usually game developers will give you hints uh, when it comes to the timetable, like you can't just give a teaser trailer and nev- like in the next two years say nothing about the game. Okay, actually Bethesda did that also, but I don't actually like that move either. So, and I don't know. I've never, I never actually got the impression that Sora has been toxic. He's been realistic and maybe cynical to some point, but come on. Like yeah, this this I, I mean you said this email was intelligent at some point, but I I think didn't I thought you didn't read it through, but because I didn't. Get no that no that's part. it. I meant oh, intelligent
1: no. compared to some of the others that I've no. received. Okay. I so think okay. I think a better word so to use is that it wasn't relative. aggressive. Civil. Civil.
2: Yeah. yeah. Oh. But yeah, it's. I mean. The. There's a bit, been a lot of, you know like you remember a couple of years ago when we when people trashed AAA game developers for for basically making shit games for a long time. Like sometimes game criticism is invalid and sometimes I don't know. Sometimes the fandom is actually there's some people who are really toxic but as you said sort of the uh, you know these uh, these uh, ultra fanatic fanboys who think that obsidian has nothing had done nothing wrong. that like it's it's the it's the same kind of toxicism. Like they basically say, oh, "Don't criticize them. Uh, it's bad." But no, it's not. It's not bad. It's like uh, you could we are customers of this company. We can yeah, I think I think there's a relationship. Yeah.
1: There's a relationship there, and I think that Obsidian respects that. I don't think Obsidian wants you to be positive all the time. I think they, as much as they don't want, like, severely angry rants, um, I understand that. But I think they want to know. They want to know, what did we get right? What did we get wrong? And if there's a large percentage of people who let them know that maybe this wasn't the choice you should have made, or maybe this isn't the path you should have gone you know, they, they will correct. They will look at them. Everybody does that in their life. People criticize me for things and my my daughter, my, my wife, and so I reflect and I think, okay, wait, all right. Maybe maybe this, maybe that. That's human nature. But I would never want to go through life with not getting that because how would I become a better person? Well, and I don't how think are you going to become? Go I don't ahead. think Peter's saying that you shouldn't
3: have criticism. I think he's just saying that he doesn't, uh, think your form of criticism in some previous instances were appropriate. I think that's the only thing he's saying. Because he even says that your criticisms should be X, Y, and Z. So he's clearly endorsing
1: criticism. I think he's just Good saying point. that he,
3: right? So, uh, yeah, I don't think I that
1: think he's saying I see. We that, have I see that. it. I see it there. I give you. I give, I'll give you that. I have uh, nothing against did, Peter. Peter, did you, you can know, come on the podcast anytime. So,
2: did yeah. you know that Blizzard Entertainment still has fanboys? well yeah blizzard oh yeah oh Oh. oh, yeah you didn't mention the the tv series episode yet
1: yeah there's actually i'm going to mention it because i think it relates to this in that um uh there's a there's a show on um tv it's on apple tv it's uh called mythic quest i know a lot of our audience has probably heard of this this is a generally a show that have like two or three seasons so far and they they, they, it's a mock, mockumentary kind of style, maybe a little bit, um, but it, it's, it's a sitcom, and it is supposed to be funny, but it um, talks about this company that's making an MMO, which really they're kind of making fun of Blizzard and World of Warcraft, and they're going through the process of releasing updates to their game, downloadable content, and it's kind of a behind-the-scenes look at what a gaming company could be in a humorous way. Mythic Quest is an okay show. I would not recommend it as a full watch because I don't think it's that great. But they had one episode that stood out, and it was called, uh, it was episode five of the first season, and it's called Dark Quiet Death. And Dark Quiet Death is amazing because it talks about this. boiling frog analogy it talks about this uh, this the story of a game company started by a husband and wife team and 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 the first game they created was called dark quiet death and it was a real passion project and it was you know inspired and it was just a small team of just really just them and maybe a couple of others um, and it got moderate success and then of course got a sequel And then got even more and more attention and got more voices involved and more employees involved and started hiring for all these other positions that they felt they needed. And people started pushing their own ideas within the studio, which started to dilute the soul and essence of what the original game was. Um, So first they got rid of, for example, they got rid of uh, the... Dark, quiet death has a meaning. So they got rid of the quiet, the the silence. They added big guns, loud, big loud guns. They got rid of the dark. They added um, laser sightings and better lighting. Um, and finally, you know, concept after concept was iterated upon. The even the concept of death. And in the, in the original game, the character always dies. Um, But then they started saying, no, let's have them kill a boss at the end of the game like other games. So the point is that this studio in this episode, which I highly recommend you see, goes through this change process. um, And this email made me think of that because that change happens. I don't think it's inevitable. I think it happens when there are no checks and balances. It happens when there aren't people like us who are speaking out and, and mentioning concerns or holding people accountable. Um, it also happens on the other end when companies are getting too big, uh, projects are getting too big, there's too many voices, there's too many people, and then the solution to that is the final product gets diluted, um, which I think is the kind of the warning of this episode. Mm. Um, and Kivi, I know you watched it, right? What did you yeah, think of it? Yeah, I watched it.
2: Like, uh, well... Yeah, I watched it. it. It was a good story in a way. It it has message that like or the, it conveys a story that has happened to many games, but not only games, but also TV series or movies or franchises. And it's and it's basically that you first have a like the you have a good idea. You have a game that has soul in it and then uh, then you hire marketing people then you hire developmental managers and uh, people do marketing research and they say oh you know this core part of the game uh you know if you actually took that away people more people would play it and it's like uh, it's like basically selling your soul and what happens, you have game or other product that doesn't have the same essence. It doesn't have the same feel. It doesn't feel alive like the previous products.
1: Yeah. And if you bring it back to Pentiment, for example, let's say, for example, Josh and his team decided that, I mean, it is a small team, so it's not really diluted in that aspect. But one of the things the show talks about is the dangers of using a panel, to uh and they had a name for it and i forgot what they call it in the industry but it's where they they show products to a group of random people that they pay like a hundred dollars and then focus they get, group focus group thank you yeah so this focus group what if they had taken pentiment when it was done and given it to the focus group um they would have action and guns and uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you could would final be, boss it would not be pentiment Let's be honest. So, I mean,
3: it would. That's too many chefs in the kitchen. Scenario is basically what's going on, right? Like if you have right. too many people with equal weighted opinions, you're just going to get the most average thing that comes out of all those people.
1: Yeah, the so common if, if denominator, have... the lowest denominator. Mm.
2: Yeah.
3: Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, like, like if you game, have too many
1: people,
2: game like a book is or a movie, it's a whole product, and if you change some something in it, it changes the whole and sometimes it changes in in a way that's irre- redeemable, and you can't fix it by changing something else
3: yeah and i mean sometimes it's good having more than one person speaking into how something ought to be created because then there's there's dynamism to it you know but, but at the I same time if there's 20 people like, then yeah. like, <laughs> when you, when, like when you like when in the
2: game the de- de- game development or or ma- making a movie or a series or a book or anything like this, like you have a main, you have a main idea or the main plan. And it should be that when you, when you all agree or the, and you have the main developers uh, organizing this, like everything should go along the plan. And when you go or this pro, you know, broad strokes and. In no point of the game development should you deviate from this and go out of the original scope just because something external happened. Yeah, and when, when that happens, you 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 basically you you could as well abandon the whole thing and start over.
1: Yeah, and you don't want to sacrifice the passion and the soul at the beginning. Um, So, I mean, I'm curious, uh, I'm going to throw this to parenthesis because I'm curious what your thoughts is. Let's say here's your scenario parenthesis. The scenario is we know Obsidian's getting bigger. We know they've grown almost exponentially. They're They're still relatively small for AAA Studio. They're really not considered, I guess, AAA at this point. But more voices, more ideas, Microsoft buys them out. Josh decides not to take the lead on Avowed, um, to go and work on something small with fewer voices, fewer people, uh, more indie. Um, Is Josh starting to see something here? The frog beginning to boil? Or is there some concern that we should have when Obsidian starts moving to this AAA studio? Um, Can you think of AAA studios, parenthesis, that have avoided this problem of... Here comes a 3 with puppies, you know. Uh, what are your thoughts
0: on that? I, I honestly think that after Microsoft uh, acquired Obsidian, uh, a timer went off. And at some point, Obsidian is going to either be, well, worthless or broken up or otherwise destroyed. I think that is more or less inevitable. The question is just how long and I'm here to see how long they are going to put out enjoyable products. And my hope is that when it comes time for Obsidian to be well, uh, when it's worth anything more than the people who are in it that I uh, what's a good word that I have respect for when it comes to uh, RPGs that they will leave or retire and, and for those who leave, perhaps make their own studio, go to another studio and contribute there. It's, uh, I, th- I think there is a kind of, there are some unfortunate facts about the structures of how companies work. And I don't have any, I don't have any hard numbers. I don't have an ironclad theory. I just have this feeling that eventually you become too successful to actually make worthwhile things. And I think that for game companies is far smaller and far quicker than than for, for for companies in other fields. So yes, I I sadly feel that there is a limited shelf life from Obsidian now, but I'm willing to take the to to see it. I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt and take each product with an open mind and then evaluate that for itself. And if eventually I will see that as a there is a sharp decline, people start leaving, rumors start flying about horrible conditions for the workers, then it might be, then it will probably be time to jump ship. But then again, I mean, I'm just saying, everything has its time, even the most glittering, glorious rain must come to an end. And then, there'll be other companies putting up our good games. Yeah, I mean it happened with
1: companies I loved. I talk about Infocom a lot and that happened with Infocom and they 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 became big, they got bought bought into the the some of the core people who were the inspiration for it kind of left and then it, they were like, "Hey, let's make Zork with graphics." And so it you know, it happened with Blizzard, Activision, they got too big. Their, their products are diluted now. Call of Duty is not what it used to be. No emails, gingerino at gmail.com. But um, you, you have these studios, Bioware. Look at that's the, For an RPG, that's the, the big example right now, right? Bioware. I mean, they reached a pinnacle early on um, and and were like the, the, the prime AAA. They made it. Look at what they do. And now they're like the butt of jokes. So... It's, it's Obsidian has to see that and they have to know they're on the verge of becoming this AAA studio. They're on the verge of really becoming big. They have to see it, they have to know. They've been in the industry forever, they know what's going on. Hopefully they'll be able to um, see that the temperature is getting turned up in the water a little bit. So we have other emails other than Peter. <laughs> Um, thank you, Peter, for your email. Um, this one is... I have a couple others, and then we'll we'll be done. This one is from Red7Thunder. And this is the one I was telling you about, Gingerino, um, that was really interesting. And um, it is that... Let me see if I can find... Here it is. I was recently playing the game Stray and thought it would be lit if we could possess the body of animals in Avowed and use that skill to sneak. What do you think of that, Gendrino? I mean, that could definitely be fun.
3: It would, and it would add a different aspect to the game for sure. I mean, yeah, there's no... If they can include that in a game, in the game in a way that's impactful and it makes sense, then of course it'd be fun. Like Yeah. As long as it doesn't become one of those, like, just a myriad of a million different things you can do in the game where... You can do so many
1: things that it kind of loses its impact, but
2: that, it yeah, I don't see think how that of, wouldn't be
3: fun.
1: It made me think of um, oh my god, I'm not going to remember the name now. The game where you're the stealth um, Corvo was the guy. What was the name of the game? Um, so, That's uh, Dishonored. Yes, yeah, Dishonored. Right. So you have the rats. It made me think of the rats. You know that that maybe that would be like a compromise to use that ability because you could you could become a rat and scurry through the. You know the vents of the room to go to another well, room. Well, it's cool to
3: see a game world from a different perspective, like lower to the ground. Like, I know I like that about Stray, where I can like sneak under vehicles and hide from things. So, yeah, I think it could definitely work.
1: I don't know how well the lore works for it, about you just randomly turning into a cat, <laughs> but there you go. That might be the watered-down Avowed 2. That might be how they sell Avowed 2. Uh, 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 yeah, uh,
2: this goes like... Like the when we talked about the game studio in the TV series like imagine imagine the smaller features that you want to add and then add and they completely change your game or then they will or they will add so much more work for you to do has anyone seen the uh... in Baldur's Gate 3 they see a big part of the story is that you need to get this particular item from this one companion this is kind of a, some kind of a alien looking puzzle box or something and because you need to get it get it at some point of the story but there's ways for uh, players to avoid getting it and this has resulted in them you know making uh, uh, like perhaps thousands of hours more work to come up with ways that the player is eventually introduced to the item and they have to you know this like so many different permutations of these things happening
1: and along the same lines with this other question we have which is interesting is um about adding something else to avowed um i don't think we've ever gotten one of these before this is from someone called quantum dreams uh, dreams with a Z wrote and said, I want avowed to include a PVP option. So hear him out. Let me finish with statement. At the very least, include something like the arena from the Elder Scrolls Oblivion where the enemy scales up every time. Um, I love that part of the game. A locked arena focusing just on combat will make the game more fun. Anybody remember that from Oblivion?
2: Hmm. Yes, uh, but I thought that uh, Oblivion and Skyrim, they the world scales everywhere.
1: That's a good point. Yeah, I didn't mm. even think of that. So no matter what, you're always yeah. Because Oblivion was the first one to do that. It was located in like the Imperial City. There was a little. Uh, the east district had this place called the arena where you could go as like a gladiator think of it like a gladiator stadium where you could walk in and you could you i don't know that you would scale up but you would get difficult more difficult theoretically more difficult uh opponents the opponents would start to have armor and bigger weapons um and uh I don't know. I, I, I kind of see the point. I, I I don't necessarily want that in avowed. I think, again, that PvP is the kind of thing that, um, I'm not. And Peter, I'm not being critical. Um, I'm just saying that I don't. Want, <laughs> I don't want PvP in avowed. I don't want it. <laughs>
3: again, I think Peter's <laughs> fine with you being critical. I think he just disagrees with your approach to it, which is I think a little bit more emotionally driven than what he would call like right right display of the objective facts which you know there should be both sides of but anyways, right
2: moving back
1: no good point um anyway does anybody else want pvp or something like the arena in avowed i'm open to your thoughts
2: uh, is pvp the right word?
1: it isn't because pvp implies mmo right yeah, yeah it would it, imply it, that it you're fighting
3: against people it, i don't want it personally it, but that's just because i i'm not interested but some people are
2: it involves other players, and in this game, I don't expect that.
1: Yeah, I think, like Kiwi said earlier, I think you're adding a level of complexity there. Um, maybe, maybe I think, maybe, maybe PvP wasn't the word you meant when you wrote it. Maybe you're really just talking about the arena, which I think is something that could happen in a game like About where there is a... Well, you, you go could have a, a separate arena space where you fight, people, yeah, right? or, or, like or you and go into a, a town and person. there's like a place where people f- are fighting and you have to prove your worth or something. I could see that, I, and I yeah, but I think he's that. suggesting that in that
3: specific area you could fight against other people online. That way, it's not yeah. interfering with the narrative. It's just oh, you gotcha, and that gotcha, in that specific place. And again, personally, I, I don't want that. I don't want that. I don't know about you guys. I think it's <laughs> cool if they want to put it in, but I don't. I will not
0: touch it ever <laughs> i mean it would though right it's not as uh, okay i'll go it's not as work intensive as a as an entire co-op system or multiplayer system but but it, it's still a lot for uh, i don't i i don't know what the percentage of people would use this feature but it just seems a bit, bit overkill for games like these
2: like the The amount of things that you have to do and physically have is enormous when you have any player like PvP or any multiplayer thing. Like, you have to have servers and you have to have anti-cheat and like so many things that you have to make to make this thing work. And, yeah, please keep it single-player.
1: Yeah, Skyrim actually has a multiplayer mod, um... Uh, that's out and it's uh, with POP, PvP and co-op. It's um, received some publicity recently because um, I guess it's been updated um, and uh, I think it's called Skyrim Together. If I'm wrong, I could be wrong. but um, <clears throat> So that is out there. I could see that as a mod. That's probably where I would see that going. Quantum is that maybe somebody will make that mod or maybe you could you could start that, spearhead that, because then I'm pretty sure Vowd's going to be moddable. Um, to a certain extent. I mean, I, I would assume it is, uh, but obviously we don't know for sure. <clears throat> um, this is the last email, and then we'll be done. This is from Ashley. Very simple question. It says, um, If Avowed drops on both Xbox and PC on the same day, which will you choose for your first playthrough? Me, personally, um, I'm going to say Xbox because I think The type of game it is lends itself to um, a console playthrough. It's not like Pillars where it's a mess on the console. I think it kind of leans itself to a console. That's my choice. Anybody else want to chime in as to which you'll choose? I'm going to play it over my phone on the Xbox (laughs) Game Cloud. (laughs) On a Samsung TV, right.
3: Uh, Oh, no. I mean, actually, that might end up being my first. is on my phone, but that's just because it'll probably drop while I'm at work, and I'll want to play it so bad that I'll do it on my break. So probably my phone, but that means that ultimately it'll be on console.
0: PC Master Race.
1: PC Master Race. Parenthesis. What do you <laughs> think?
0: PC. I don't have an Xbox.
1: There you go. There you go. Absolutely, and I think it'll be glorious on PC, and probably the graphics will be better. Probably if you have a, a well built. I mean, at PC. least on You'd...
3: PC, you could like record gameplay and stuff like that. Oh
1: yeah, it would be real good. I'm, I wish I had a good PC. I don't have one either that can do like high power gaming I, that can record yeah. it. I have a I laptop think I'll be able that to. I can cook eggs on, but that's it. Um, I can do pentiment. Pentiment.
2: Yeah, I can do yeah. pentiment. Yeah, I can l- play Pentiment
1: oh, on a BlackBerry, let's be honest.
2: <laughs> I can also play Pillars 1 and 2. That's, that's it. Yeah, I can. I played those on, on
1: my laptop without any issue. Both really great. Worked really well. Um, but, yeah, that's, that's our thought. Ashley, thanks for the email. Thanks, everyone, for the email, even you, Peter. Um, and if you ever want to come on the show, Peter here's the seat i'm looking right right to my side i would love to have do you in that. honestly do, do it. it man who was the other dude oh he never came oh uh, anyway yeah. uh no, but... i'd like peter
3: beyond i like that he has a different view than you and i think that it'll bring a great discussion and conversation to the show like, i totally yeah there's yeah. too many people can, who can... agree gravy
2: Sora.
1: Yeah, i
3: might can, not be as anti-sora as peter is but you know he whatever, might still whip think me, it'll be beat me.
1: yeah yeah it should be interesting no i'm open to that too <laughs> and uh anybody as in anybody who's ever interested in joining us just email us and let us know and we'll we'll find a way to get you involved because that's what we do um so thank you everyone for joining us today um you can reach Vodcast by using email gmail dot com. You can also find us on Twitter. We're out of outcast That's where we announce our podcast as soon as they come out. Um, and then of course you can find us as you're probably listening to us now on Spotify or Apple uh, podcasts. Um, Gingerino. How can they find um, you? If you're interested
3: in aora stuff i do a a pillars of eternity slash avowed lore based podcast called world of aora you can follow that on twitter at world of aora i also have my personal account at gingerino 42 which yes is a reference to hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy
1: nice i love it okay. um princess i know at one point you were talking about uh doing some gaming online have you gotten around to that or are you you still kind of holding back on doing that
0: no, I've actually uh, done a bit of it. Uh, I have a Twitch channel now. At, oh, uh, excellent. At twitch.tv command objective c o m m a n d o b j e c t i b e. Currently wasn't
1: wow. wow, I'm so excited. I can't I'm believe so that happy. wasn't taken. I can't believe that wasn't taken. Excellent.
0: Currently I'm doing something Yeah, uh, I'm. Uh, I'm currently uh, streaming uh, my way through uh, the Life and Suffering of Sobrante. Uh, one, another one in the very, 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 very long line of Godzilla game books I play. And after that, I think I'll do the Sorcery series. Oh, so, uh,
1: love Sorcery. Oh, my God.
0: Yeah. That's
1: right up my alley, too. Text-driven. Love that.
0: Yeah, and uh, the one the. Yeah, that, that's even more gossy up. It's a, it's, a, it's a very interesting uh, adaption that Inkle has made of it. But anyways, if anyone's interested, you can go to my Twitch account and see when I am streaming and if it's of any interest.
1: All right. And just a reminder, if you're interested in um, checking out Kiwi um, on Instagram, uh, the way you would reach him would be at... M-O-R-E-A-U-W-R-I-T-E-S. So um, you can find us all at those different areas, and we we appreciate you listening, and we'll probably be back next month with one more. Um, We're releasing monthly now until we kind of get more information from Obsidian so we would have more to chew on. Um, Thanks for listening.
3: My Great Hall stands open for all who would pay fealty to their beloved king. Why are you here?